Vincent Canby of the New York Times called this movie a lightweight, breezy experience that, by never pretending to be anything more than what it is, disarms criticism. Letterboxd user Keaton Lost in Your Ears said this movie should be used in a court case against Chevy Chase and the producers of this movie for murdering the art of synth. Chevy Chase is on the cover of the movie, and that makes sense because he is the only character that has any good lines. But in all honesty, a synthesizer should be right behind him. There is never a 20-minute segment in this movie that goes without an irritating synth blaring over the movie to keep there from being dead air. It might be the most annoying soundtrack ever committed to a movie. And of its sequel, Mark Kermode of Time Out said, The humor throughout is alternately mindless, sexist, racist, and homophobic, and would probably offend if you managed to stay awake. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Fletch. Re-re-reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoof Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. Hi, Dan. How's it going? Hi. It's going. It's going all right, John. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm wearing like a black t-shirt and like a gray shirt over it. And you're wearing this like Hawaiian shirt with a white shirt under it. We're like spy versus spy kind of. I'm in a dark room. You're in a very bright room. This is true. Uh, this is, this is all very true, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's whatever it's, it's, it's my the mental state. Hey man, my... we're getting into the summertime. I have yeah, to get onto no. your, I have to start getting onto your wave. Yeah, man. Yeah. (laughs) You got to get the Aloha shirt out and just get you, get yourself going. I got my little, uh, my little homemade dad, dad necklace. Oh, what is that? That I got. It is, uh, it's uh, my daughter, Chloe, age seven, made it and it (laughs) it says it's dad. And there's like two very small D beads and then a big A in the middle. Oh, all right. So, well, we we all know it, about a big A in the middle. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, this is ruined childhoods, and you're Welcome. listening to it, everybody. Uh, yeah, we talk about cult and classic movies. What we would do with them these days if we were to bring them back? If we had crazy money to to throw at something, and we decided, you know what? Let's do something with Fletch. Well, you know, and we wouldn't be the first to to say that. It's, uh, you know, as we'll, we'll discuss. We'll get there. We'll get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we're talking about, about Fletch today and uh, the, the sequel, Fletch Lives. So uh, we'll be digging into that. But John, before before we do, um, do you have any anything to add? Any one more things for about my cousin Vinny? Uh, about my cousin Vinny? About really about anything we've we've covered? <laughs> uh, I don't really think so. Um, I was I was just this is more of a general thing, and I know that you know I I texted you last night with a question, but we're getting into a phase right now. 
or where COVID is still a thing. You know, we're recording this in May of 2021. COVID is still a thing. Uh, Dan and I are both vaccinated and people are, you know, places are starting to open back up. And I started to think like, am I ready to maybe go into a movie theater again? And I feel like for me, it would be the kind of thing where I would certainly be excited to try it out. But if I felt uncomfortable, I would leave. Yeah, um, I there's a and and I I know like some places are relaxing the mask mandates, but I kind of don't want to sit through a movie with my mask on. But I also don't necessarily like it, it. It depends on the theater. And I honestly, I, I there's not much out. The only thing playing in theaters right now that I would want to see in a theater is a movie from 10 years ago. Scott Pilgrim versus uh, versus the world. Yeah. Well, in in addition to that, there's a lot of places who are, you know, they are showing older movies, uh, you know, movies that are having like anniversaries and things like that, you know, where Mm -hmm. they're re-releasing them or there's, you know, specialty theaters that do showings like this. I am actually, you know, a part of an organization out here in the, in Portland called the Northwest film center. And we do that kind of stuff all the time. We're trying to figure out a, a drive-in theater situation for this summer. And of course there's going to be a lot of like throwback movies and uh, in that type of situation. Well, it's, I mean, so it, it's the 30th anniversary of all the movies that came out in 1991, which yeah, if I get started, I won't stop. Soap Dish, The Rocketeer, Terminator 2, yeah, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, with, you know, warts and all. Um, <laughs> uh, Silence of the Lambs. There, I mean, there's JFK, Bugsy, Cape Fear, yeah, The Fisher King, right? I could keep going. Yeah. Barton Fink, of course. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot of things that could potentially be right. There, I don't think there's anything that's out. You know, uh, well, I would love to see the movie Nobody with Bob Odenkirk, which I believe is now streaming. Um, but I feel like I, that would be a good going back to the movies type of movie. There's a movie, uh, right now called Together Together, which I think now is also streaming with, uh, Ed Helms and Patty Harrison. Patty Harrison, who I think is one of the funniest people on the planet right now. And, uh, if you don't follow her on social media, I highly recommend it. She's absolutely insane in all of the best ways. And so, um... I and I this is not I think a outrageous comedy but um she is one of the starring roles in it and I'm very excited to to see her in that. So uh, those are the two that I would want to see in a theater um more nobody than together together just because it's an action movie. I feel like that'd be just more fun to see in a theater. But those are movies that I'd like to support for sure. So, I don't know. We'll see. As things start to unfold, uh, you know, I'll really have to gauge where I feel like I am. And just, I, I don't think that I'm on the same wavelength with you in terms of mask. I feel like if I'm in a situation where I'm 
in a movie theater, I'll be able to ignore the mask pretty quickly. Um, I won't be shoving my face with popcorn, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, personal preferences. Yeah. I don't know. Like, so I, I am happy just a, to wear the mask in, out it's just, and about. I am right. not an it's just a, It's just a weird time where you're trying to yeah. figure out for yourself, like, what is the world ready for? What am I personally ready for? Where do those things overlap? Like, you know, I know a lot of places are open for like dine-in restaurant things like that and I'm like I'm not there yet. I'm, you know, the weather's nice. Let's do outside as long as we can. And yeah. But we are not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Fletch. Oh, we're here to talk about Fletch, all right. And it, you know what's funny? Uh this is the first time I've ever seen Fletch in its entirety. <laughs> really? Which I didn't realize until I was watching it. And I mean, if I had seen it in its entirety, like, I'm pretty sure I have, I have seen like the first half of Fletch many mm-hmm. times, but I, I, I just have not followed through, I guess, or seen all, all of the first Fletch. So like by the time we got to the third act of Fletch, I, I, I was kind of like, Oh, oh, so this is what's happened. This is what it's all about. Okay. All right. And as I was, and, and as I was like watching it and processing, eh, you know, it occurred to me why I maybe never made it and why I never, why I always just kind of wrote it off as a movie that I had seen already. Yeah. It, when I was watching it, and I feel like I may have watched it within the past 10 years and, uh, you know, retained enough of the information that on this watch, I was maybe a little more familiar with it. Um, and I was surprised because when I watched Fletch Lives, I was like, have I seen this? And then as soon as it's going, I'm like, I have seen this. But there are things that like I definitely don't remember as well that kind of come in and out. Um, I think that yeah. a lot of the, like the, the like the televangelist stuff I remembered more um some of his little like jokes that he says, I I seem so familiar to me. I don't know because you've seen other Chevy Chase movies. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, yeah, I don't know. And and I'm wondering, Dan, also if you never got through it all the way before, because I mean, I don't know about you, I watched it on Stars, and at the beginning where they say the rating of it, which it's rated <laughs> PG, I think. Did you also take a picture of it? I sure did. I'm looking at it right now. Adult content, adult language, violence, and outdated cultural depiction. Uh, yeah. No, is it, uh, did they have that same warning on Fletch Lives? You know, I didn't pay attention on Fletch Lives. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I didn't pay attention on Fletch Lives, but it certainly belongs on Fletch Lives. Yes, absolutely. That was a weird one to watch in our current climate our current political climate that one i think pretty much passed 1989 when it came out like i don't that that one i don't think aged well like five years later yeah i mean i don't think that they were really thinking about how well these things were going to age when they did them because it's all no kkk jokes which you know in a it, it, of course, reminded me a lot of the scene in Django Unchained with, you know, the 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 group of people 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Jonah Hill and those Walton Goggins. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, and it's like, it needs to be done right. And in this case with Jeffrey Lewis, who is a fixture on the ruined childhoods podcast now these uh, days. Yeah. Jeez. We, uh, we got to do lawnmower man soon. <laughs> I am for it. Just so you know, oh, man. So, um, yeah, uh, and, so, and then there's neo-Nazis and, yeah, Nazi yeah, biker gangs. It's all, and like, you know, and it's just like Chevy Chase uh, sleeping with one, uh, you know, attractive female lead after the next. And yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I guess, John, if you wanted to go, go forth with a, with a synopsis, um, we could do that before we, for, before we kind of take yeah. this one apart. And before I do the synopsis, uh, first of all, this synopsis will spoil the ending of the movie. So keep that in mind. But also while I was writing it, if there are errors that I have trouble getting through, I I have to explain, I've had a very, very hectic week, and just today, Dan, I didn't even, I don't know if I told you about this, but I took the FAA exam to get my drone pilot license, and I, yeah, did I tell you about this? No, I didn't know you were going <laughs> to drone flying school. Yeah, well, uh, for my work, we decided that drone photography was something that we need. We have a building project coming up, and a, a lot of construction will be going on, and figured it'd be good to document this from the air. And uh, yeah, so got a drone, and in order to fly a drone, for business purposes, you have to have the FAA like uh, Part 107 license certificate so i you know have been studying for the past week or two and i i went to a testing facility today and had to like do this test yeah it was great i haven't taken a test in a long time so it was, it was very nerve-wracking and uh i passed and now it's it's something that i'm able to do and uh yeah so i my mind has been in a lot of different places. I'm also about to move to a new home. So that, of course, is just a lot going on. I'm not trying to make excuses for why a synopsis may or may not be great, but I'm just saying I wrote it and I think it's good, but it's possible that it's not and that I like forgot to finish it or something. So we're just going to go with it. Uh, cue the uh, the Faltermeyer music right now. Erwin Fletcher is an investigative journalist for a Los Angeles newspaper and is in the middle of a hot scoop about the drug trade on the Santa Monica beaches, where he is currently working undercover. When he is identified by Alan Stanwyck, a wealthy aviation executive, as the kind of guy who would do anything for money, he offers Fletch a once-in-a-lifetime offer. Alan wants Fletch to come to his home, shoot him dead, and take off on a flight to South America, explaining that he has bone cancer and wants to die before he takes over his body, but in a way that still gets his life insurance fully paid out. Still pretending to be a Santa Monica derelict, Fletch accepts the job and knows right away that this is too fishy to be a regular thing. Doing his Fletch thing, he goes a great deal 
he does a great deal of snooping both in Los Angeles and in Utah and discovers that Alan Stanwyck is in cahoots with local law enforcement to run drugs from South America to the local dealers, meaning that his two areas of interest are colliding. All the while, Fletch is falling for Stanwyck's wife, and she is also definitely interested. And as it turns out, Alec... Alan just wanted Fletch to show up at his place to kill him because they are roughly the same build and could stand in as Stanwyck's corpse so he could fake his own death and run off to South America with his other wife from Utah. Fletch being Fletch, he figures it all out and puts an end to Stanwyck's plan and releases his article all about the drug trade involving local law enforcement. So... Uh, Chevy Chase plays Irwin Fletch Fletcher. Uh, Joe Don Baker is Chief Jerry Carlin. Uh, Dana Wheeler Nicholson is Gail Stanwyck, the wife of Alan Stanwyck, who's played by Tim Matheson. Uh, Richard Libertini is Frank Walker. Uh, George Went plays Fat Sam, who's distributing drugs to the local dealers. Um, Gina Davis plays Larry, who works at the paper and is kind of uh, Fletch's, you know, right hand when he's at the offices. And, uh, you know, a very early Gina Davis role, and she's fantastic. Gina Davis, another fixture of this podcast recently. Oh, yeah. We're big Gina Davis fans. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, what did I miss? Um, let's see. (laughs) The Underhills? The the underhills. Uh, so there, yeah, there's an Go ongoing uh, joke about this uh, this tennis club that the Stanwicks belong to, and there's a guy uh, I forget his first name, but his last name is Underhill, and he's very mean to the wait staff. So uh, Fletch, being a quick thinker, says that he is a guest at the club of the Underhills and to charge everything to them, which. Uh, really racks up a bill and pisses off the underhills. It's just a funny running gag. Yeah. It's a running it's it's yeah, it's a funny running gag and they Yeah, there's the underhills, there's the Oh, there's the, the alimony. With, oh, oh right, yeah, with the lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, Fletch owes Yeah, Fletch owes money uh to his ex-wife. And, uh, you know, her lawyer's always trying to shake Fletch down for it. So, yeah. There's there's that. Yeah, there's the, the well, I guess, the subplot with the doctor. Or it's not really a subplot. It's just when I'd he's say, trying to. Well, I'd say one of the more memorable scenes and one of the most, like, quoted scenes is yeah. when he goes and is trying to get Alan Stanwyck's files from his doctor's office. And well, I guess before that Fletch goes to the doc, goes to see his doctor, Stanwick's doctor and starts trying to get information about it, which of course he can't give him cause it's confidential. And meanwhile is getting a rectal exam because he's getting, he ordered the full package, I guess. And um, <laughs> yeah. So when he's trying to, he's going, uh, as pretending to be a doctor so that he can get these files, uh, sees the board and every doctor's name begins with Rosen. And what I always remember from this is how he's the 
the one of the nurses or staff there asks what his name is and he says Dr. Rosenpenis under his yeah. breath. Yeah. Uh and then says wrote Dr. Rosen Rosen, which I think Dr. Rosen Rosen actually gets mentioned more, but Dr. Rosenpenis is <laughs> My yeah, favorite. Yeah, yeah. It's really like he just yeah, mumbles it and it, it is actually it's it's that one's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. And uh there's the whole like farcical scene where uh he gets called in to help with an autopsy, just like hold a kidney or something, and uh he passes out and like the the doc Stanwick's doctor ends up in there and he's in like the room next to it where there's a window and He's trying to hide himself, but what that doctor and the guy doing the autopsy are like doing <laughs> silently in the background is just really funny to it's watch. They're so just kind of funny. Goofing. Well, the the do- M. Emmett Walsh plays the, right. the Stanwyck's doctor. Dr. He's like he's like eating a sandwich and he's like drinking coffee like yeah. over the body that's that's cut open. It's ridiculous. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I that that part I really enjoyed. <laughs> Yeah, I think that the movie itself, just as a whole, is, I'd say, mostly fun to watch. You know, if you're if you just have to be prepared for a an '80s Chevy Chase type of situation, and that's what you're yeah. gonna get. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun, uh, but yeah, there's there's some there are some jokes in there that really don't age well. No, no. Um, but I think that's the case with most Chevy Chase stuff. A lot of a lot of Chevy Chase, yeah. And you know, something I noticed while watching it, and and I mean, also Fletch Lives was, and I watched them kind of in in reverse. Uh-huh. So a lot of my like summary notes are under Fletch, but it's you don't Chevy Chase doesn't do vulnerable. No. Like the closest he gets in this is not necessarily when his life is in danger, like one of the multiple times his life is in danger, but when he's standing in front of the cut open body and, and pa- which even then he's not playing vulnerable. He just kind of wisecracks until he passes out. Yeah. No, I I think that Chevy Chase and look, I'm not going to be writing any essays on this, but you know, I think that when it comes to like the eighties, especially Chevy Chase was the actor with the highest amount of big dick energy. And I'm sure that like, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he's not the first I'm, you know, I'm, I bet that like Cary Grant or, you know, like there's somebody like that also, who's just kind of like one of those, <laughs> you know, s- extremely confident, uh, doesn't think twice before, making a pass on a woman like and it always works type of situation in a movie you know i think that chevy chase definitely is one of the the more prominent examples of big dick energy yeah yeah i would say so um (laughs) (laughs) yeah but he's yeah and i i think you and I don't know if you want to go like go into the Fletch Lives plot before we really start breaking this down. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, this one I kept really short and I didn't spoil it. Right. Uh, 
After Fletch finds out that his aunt has passed away and left him her plantation in Louisiana, he considers early retirement to live the easy life. When he gets to town, he finds nothing but trouble. He ends up spending the night with his aunt's lawyer and wakes up to find her dead. The small town being as it is, the neighbors don't take kindly to Fletch and lock him up, but manages to get let out by Ham Johnson, who warns him that the locals don't like outsiders. But these locals who are trying to run Fletch out of town don't seem to realize who he is and the lengths he will go to in order to find out all of the answers. So that's all I really did. Um, Hal Holbrook plays Ham Johnson, who's great. He's yeah. always good. Julianne Phillips plays Becky Culpepper. Uh, Arlie uh, Ermey is uh, Jimmy Lee Farnsworth, uh, a big, big time televangelist. Um, uh, Tex Cobb plays a character only known to us as Ben Dover. Uh, he is a local, well, he works at the, at the coroner's office. He works at the morgue. morgue. He works in the morgue. He's a he's a Nazi biker. It's he's fun. Yeah. So Dan. Oh, and then of course Jeffrey Lewis is the KKK leader. Uh, Okay, there is somebody who we talked about on an episode a long time ago. What are you about to say? Well, I'm thinking of the one uh, you know cast the big cast member that that Don Brockett. No. Cleavon Little, I, I'm I'm not there yet, Dan. Oh well, that's what I was. Okay, I didn't want <laughs> okay, to interrupt. Well, Cleavon yeah. Little plays Calculus, who is the uh, I don't I mean the house guy. He I wouldn't call him a housekeeper because that place is a dump. But he kind of had an an, an arrangement with uh, with Fletcher's aunt to to live there and kind of hang out, be a pal. Yeah. Yeah. And uh right. I guess we so, don't want to spoil anything, so Right, yeah, exactly. So the the sheriff is played by Don Brockett, Chef Brockett from uh, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. Oh. oh yeah, that's right. I saw him, I was like, is that Chef Brockett? The like crazy chef who's just like it was the Death to Smoochie episode. That's what it was, because I'm um, uh, Spinner reminded me a lot of Chef Brockett, and I w- I wondered if Don Brockett was like a Spinner Dunn type of situation where he was just like, you know, part of like the local crime family, but just loved like <laughs> Mister Rogers or whatever, and so he put him on the show as the I chef mean, who like bakes a cake in an episode, and it's like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> Not for nothing, but Sheldon Mopes is a very like you know you could there's like a spiritual connection between him and Fred Rogers, but yeah we di- we digress into death to Smoochie, which is so easy to do. Yeah, absolutely. But no, I saw Don Brockett and I was like, it can't be, and of course it is. It absolutely is. And we also have a small appearance from Richard Belzer, which is always fun. Uh, Phil Hartman is in oh, it briefly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, it's it's a pretty packed cast. Yeah, and it's it, I I feel like the pl- <laughs> the plot as, as as wrong as so much of Fletch Lives is. Uh, it, it I I almost felt like I I liked the plot a little bit more than Fletch. 
there were less holes in it for me. Yeah, I mean, I kind of plot wise, I enjoyed them both. I have a real soft spot for like movies about investigative journalists or you know like a a detective situation and this in both of these movies are comedy noirs you know there's the narration from him throughout both of them that's very much from like the film noir uh you know trope and uh it's it works it kind of like comes in and out as needed and um, doesn't really get in the way of anything. They're not trying too hard to make it noiry. Aside from that, but right, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I what I liked about the first one is it's always. I, I thought that it was interesting that uh, Tim Matheson's character was trying to do this whole scheme, and Fletch just happened to get involved. And the way that it tied into like this thing that he was trying to figure out but couldn't crack for such a long time, I just thought that it was pretty clean. Uh, this one, when it like came to the end, I was like, "Huh, okay," you know. It it was just. It seemed like it was trying to find opportunities to be shocking, mm-hmm. and um, and pushing the boundaries. With things like people who are Confederate Army enthusiasts and, yeah. Although I have to say, like, between that and Borat 2 and a lot of these, like, Southern heritage things that we've been seeing about, I I had this aha moment where it's like, oh, yeah, no wonder so many of these, like, congressional candidates and senatorial candidates have, like, embarrassing yearbook photos from their, like, Southern high schools and colleges where they, you know, are in blackface or are wearing Klan hoods. And I'm like, oh, okay, so that makes more. And they're really embracing that. And I I feel like to a certain extent, like that wasn't necessarily exaggerated. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that the difference between something like Fletch Lives and Borat 2 is that Borat 2 is really trying to say something and like expose something. Oh, and... Yeah, I'm not yeah. comparing. I'm not comparing okay. like the message. I'm just I'm saying for me, it was like I was like, okay, I'm like, this is not the first time I'm seeing something like this where, you know, like Southern these these like Southern families are, you know, they celebrate the heritage of the Confederate Army right. and and wear and like wear the the uniforms of the Confederacy. And, and then I was just, I was thinking about like all of these, like, oh, yeah, we found a yearbook picture of this guy in blackface and we found yeah. a yearbook picture of this guy wearing a clan outfit. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I guess it's just like, uh, that's just been part of the culture. Yeah. But yeah. So I, and I guess, you know what, what you're pointing out about how Stanwick like hires Fletch. Right. To me, it just seemed all like it's just so convenient that of all of the junkies that he's watching, he first of all picks the one who looks least like a junkie. Now, of course, he's the only one who's not involved of like the of the junkie population that we meet in the movie. He's the only one not involved in the whole scam. Right. 
Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, he's the only one who's capable of pulling off remembering, you know, all of the things he has to do, probably. Uh, but like, I mean, is, you're right. It's convenient, but. And he does not. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I'd be suspicious of this guy being a junkie. Like, yeah really i mean yeah, i guess I, I mean i guess like you know you can't judge a book by its cover and and i guess some junkies hide it better than others but it's like yeah it just kind of struck me as as odd and like it didn't it just didn't fit for me yeah i mean what this movie or what these movies really are it's opportunities to showcase Chevy Chase playing a, a Chevy Chasey kind of character in funny different disguises Chevy Chasey yeah giving him a chance to like you know show off different weird voices and affectations he can do and and come up with his know, names and do the mumbling thing do all and... the mumbling stuff do, yeah right because it's like Fletch could get away with all of this stuff because of his big dick energy. Right. And, yeah. Like he's not even panicking during the, the car, which by the way, I love me a good eighties action comedy car chase. No, oh. <laughs> it's so, it's like so specific. And, and I feel like, and I mean, and this didn't come out that long before Beverly Hills cop. I, well, right. Speaking of Harold Faltmeyer, the 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 same guy who does the score. Well, right, and it, but it's almost like this feels like it, it almost it, it would be inspired by Beverly Hills Cop, but Beverly Hills Cop came out after Fletch. Right. Yeah. But because Eddie Murphy kind of had that, like, if if there was anyone else in the eighties who had big dick energy, it was Eddie Murphy. That is true. Though Eddie um, Murphy plays, I, I feel like Eddie Murphy. I don't want to say like, to like became the characters because there's still a lot of Eddie Murphy in Axel Foley. Yeah. I, well, I think that Chevy Chase is a little bit more of, you know, that definition of that, like truly cocky, you know, person in the characters that he plays. I feel like Eddie Murphy sometimes gets more comfortable in the characters. And I'm thinking a lot of like, Trading Places, uh, Coming to America, where he, you know, you believe him as these characters, whereas this, yeah. it's just like, oh, it's Chevy Chase doing his Chevy Chase thing. Right. Which, and I think it's one of the things that, I mean, after watching Fletch, I was thinking about like, all right, well, what are the Chevy Chase performance, performances that I've really enjoyed? Because it bothered me in this. And like, I like mm -hmm. a lot of elements of Fletch, but like, it got to the point where Chevy Chase where it bothered me that he was just Chevy Chase doing Chevy Chase. And I was thinking yeah. about the movies where I liked him and I thought about vacation and right. the vacation movies. He, there's some, there's like stakes and he's more of a real person. Like Clark with yeah. Griswold is more of a real person. And I thought about three amigos and, and dusty bottoms right. and how he's just kind of like, like lovably dumb in that. Right. And he's like, it's almost the nicest character he he he's probably ever played. Yeah, is Dusty in Three Amigos? Yeah, probably. Yeah. 
So yeah, I think that what the difference is that this is a Chevy Chase. Like he's probably in every yeah he's probably in almost like every scene and or maybe even every shot <laughs> and uh, things like vacation it's like you know you have Beverly D'Angelo you have the rotating cast of <laughs> characters yeah, right in, yeah. uh, Randy Quaid occasionally you have your Randy Quaid um, and then here you you know you just have Chevy Chase really just being the focus it's nice when Gina Davis. Is, and is she's so wonderful. I mean, Fletch is acts wildly inappropriate around women, and uh, ugh, it made me so cringe so hard. And I'm just like, oh, poor Larry, Gina Davis' character. <laughs> but she's like, you know, she's just chipper. She likes him. It made me wonder, actually, because the character name is is Larry. It it, uh-huh. kind of, it it made me wonder if that role was was originally written for for a man to play, or if the character. I don't. I'm not familiar with the books, Gregory McDonald's novels. I'm not familiar right. with them, but I I was thinking about it and wondering. I and because it's like there's not a. It's a, It's not really a like. Aside from that, Chevy Chase is, or like Fletch is hitting on her, right? There's not much more that would define it. So I wonder if if it was just like if the and I couldn't find anything on this, but if if the character had not been written for a woman and and somehow Gina Davis ended up with the role, and I, the movie's better for it. Yeah, I mean. I also know that Chevy Chase, and I don't know how much he had to do with any of the scripting. Um, I should probably look that up. But, uh, I mean, just written by Andrew Bergman, uh, based on Fletch by Gregory McDonald. That's the only thing I've got. But uh, I know that he likes to play a lot with, of course, like words and funny names. And I could totally see a situation where he's just like, hey, it would be funny if her character's name is Larry. And then it just kind of stuck. Yeah. Or he calls her it and maybe it wasn't scripted that way, but he just did it anyway. Who knows? I don't know. But I like I like the character. Uh, you know, she's not she's not a very developed character and does not even make an no. appearance in Fletch Lives. Well, this is just a couple years after Tootsie. Mm-hmm. That was 82. Yep. Yeah, so just a few years after Tootsie. Same year as Transylvania 65,000. Same year as Transylvania 65,000 where she is not a major role. So she's like, you know, about to really pop, but she is not quite there yet. So she does play like, you know, that this is that short window where she's actually playing smaller roles. Yeah. Before she's just like one of the biggest stars out there. Um yeah, no, I mean, when Fletch Lives came out, I mean, her 1988, is that when Beetlejuice was? Or is that... 80, yeah, Beetlejuice was 88, so was Accidental right. Tourist. Right, yeah, so she had quite a 1988, and, um, yeah. But yeah, uh, great to see Gina Davis in the movie, um, you know, Joe Don Baker, one of those kind of, you know, uh, reliable... Character totally. actors. Yeah. 
and Tim Matheson, who is also pretty good at playing smug. Tim Matheson's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah no, I'm a I'm a Tim Matheson fan, but yeah, he is great at playing smug. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Animal House, uh, maybe one of his less smug performances. But Animal House. <laughs> I mean, I'd say from compared to this, oh, maybe I'm a little equally smug. I would say and equally smug. Yeah. Uh, the West Wing. The, uh, uh, the very Brady sequel. Oh, oh, he's so good in that. Oh, man. Love the Brady Bunch movies. We've talked about this before. A movie that should not have been good, but is so great. And a sequel that, you know, is I'm so glad it was made. Never in a million years would anyone have guessed that a movie like that would have been made from the Brady Bunch. But thank, no, they but did it exactly right. Thank the movie gods. It's it's yeah. been done. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fletch lives. Let's just talk a little bit more about that real quick, because uh, okay. we didn't really talk about the whole like televangelist situation. So uh, the woman, a woman approaches him about buying she has a, a potential buyer for his plantation at a at a very large sum of money. Uh, and she's like, you should take this. This place is kind of a dump. Like, it's a lot of money. Just take it. It's all good. And he refuses, suspects it for being very fishy, which he's correct in thinking that and is trying to figure out who's trying to buy it. And ends up, and he mostly suspects the uh Jimmy Lee Farnsworth who is a very famous evangelical preacher, a healer and um former used car salesman, former used car salesman. Yeah, there's a lot of things about him that like don't add up. Yeah. So uh th- there's it- a lot of really yeah. funny scenes that come out of him trying to get Fletch trying to get information out of that like when he is there I forget the name of his fake preacher healer character oh that yeah he like makes up on the spot he never thinks ahead with the names he always seems to come up with them right in the moment maxwell hauser maxwell hauser yeah <laughs> no Shout but and he has this out. like uh set of like fake teeth that he uses every now and then i like that some of the costumes and stuff come back from movie to movie uh it makes it feel like the character is a little bit more real because somebody like him would have you know just a couple of wigs and stuff like that and yeah dip into that well every now and then and i like that we we see when he tries to like expense it all at uh at the end of the first one (laughs) yeah that's all pretty funny and richard richard libertini by the way does a really nice job as as the editor of of the papers frank the uh oh he's great i'm so glad that he's as much in the second one as he actually is because yeah, yeah. he could easily not be in that movie at all and it'd be fine. But like, he's great. He kind of does. It's, he kind of does like it's Al Powell, uh, in Die Hard too, where right. it's like, well, it's like the movie takes place somewhere else, but we still have to have this character involved. Right. So we'll he just gets call some him information. for help every now and again. Yeah. Yeah, no, I works. think it's I think it's really cool. Uh, like I said, I love investigative journalism movies. Uh, you know, if Agreed. there's a a movie that takes place somewhere in a newsroom, I am all about it. I just love the energy of them, um, especially 
you know, 70s or 80s newsrooms. Um, in the smoke, case of the paper, 90s filled. newsroom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Coke filled, if we were talking about the paper, but Coca Cola, not cocaine. Right. <laughs> so, uh, Dan, you had alluded earlier to a consideration to bring back this property. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, I guess first we should probably talk about the current plans. And and there have been, like, for for decades now, uh, various Fletch prequels and sequels in the works, famously with Kevin Smith uh, at at Miramax. And it was going to be, he was going to have Jason Lee as, as Fletch. Yeah. And- I'm just going to read the um, IMDb trivia bit about that. Go for it. Uh, so it just says, at one point, Kevin Smith had written a script for a prequel to the film, which uh, with Jason Lee playing Fletch. However, Miramax producer Harvey Weinstein wouldn't let him, citing Lee's lack of box office appeal. Smith then considered directing Ghosts of Girlfriends Past for mm-hmm. Disney in 2003. Jason Lee probably ben- wouldn't blow him. Oh. <laughs> Uh, at the request of Ben Affleck, who was set to star, this didn't sit well with Weinstein, who allowed Smith to make his Fletch prequel instead, as long as he got Affleck to star in it. It was going to be called Fletch One, and it briefly went into production, but was canceled when Affleck ultimately decided to stay with Disney, even though the film would later be made without him. Fletch One ended up with Warner Brothers, but has remained in development hell since. And Dan, I wasn't aware, or maybe I was aware, but have forgotten about the... Oh, I'm starting to remember a little bit. What's going on with Fletch currently? Well, so now there's there's talks again um, with Miramax, which I didn't know that name was even still being used. But uh, Miramax and John Hamm bringing oh, Fletch really? back to, and this is as of last summer was right. when was when this was news. So the, it's still. Uh, it it still could be happening. And I think John Hamm is a good choice. He's certainly a name that came to mind when thinking of who could and, and, and really and I have to say, in terms of flat well, he's not my top choice, but mm-hmm. uh he's a name that came to mind. And in terms of Oh geez, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> in terms of something. And what were we talking about before I started saying John Hamm? Of- John Hamm was one of the actors that you would have considered to play Fletch this before is, then. Miramax, this, yeah. So, um, so Miramax is is doing a Fletch reboot with John Hamm, who I think would be good. But oh yes, so the the <laughs> case with this so. Usually it's hard. And I I think we talked about this a little bit with my cousin Vinny. When you have like an iconic performance, it's really challenging to, to recreate something like that. And especially with Fletch, which is so Chevy Chase. Uh huh. And, and, you know, one could not argue that, that this role is, is, like like this and Clark Griswold, probably the two defining Chevy Chase roles. But I think that there I think that Chevy Chase has lost so much goodwill. Yeah. That you could replace him and and no one would complain. Yeah. And 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 I think like and I think, you know, 
John Hamm is a fine option, especially if you're kind of pushing more towards the mystery, less towards although John Hamm can do comedy. Great. But yeah, uh, in, like he would play play this as a character. However, he's not my top choice. And I, I I say, why not? Like a Fletch reboot, like investigative journalism, mystery, comedy. It's got a lot of great elements. And, you know, these things are, are uh, you know, not guaranteed crowd pleasers, but why not? Uh, so I wrote down four names for my possible okay. Fletch re- replacements. Um, first, uh, an honorable mention to, to both Kristen Wiig and Kate McKinnon, who I thought if, if, if they ever gender swapped Fletch, uh, mm-hmm. they, I, especially Kate McKinnon, I think Kate McKinnon would be absolutely be great. hilarious. She'd yeah. be so great. Um, but in terms of casting, uh, you know, recasting Fletch as, uh, as a man, my top choice who i think would actually be brilliant and would redefine the role is andy samberg oh yeah he'd be great andy samberg is fletch totally clicks for me as yeah. and and then the other names i had down because it was like oh you know what are some different directions you could go with not someone who's kind of doing like andy samberg i think could do could give us the fletch that we expect without it being chevy chase right I think Keegan Michael Key, <laughs> okay, could be a really uh, I like. I would love to see him do that type of of role where he's playing a, a journalist, and yeah. you know, he he kind of gets to be funny, but he's he's really like focused on being an investigative journalist. Um, I thought, and I thought Adam Driver for some reason. Oh, that's interesting. I was okay. like, I was thinking about. It, I was like. You know, Adam, I guess I was watching like Logan Lucky recently and mm. there's a couple of things where I, I feel like Adam Driver can, can do humor. He can do comedic roles. Yeah. And I, I, I like, I know like, you know, we see him either playing like serious or like he's, he's Kylo Ren, mm-hmm. but I, I think he can do here. I'm also thinking of his role in uh, Midnight Special. Which, oh, yeah. even though it's not a comedic role, he no. kind of, it's, it's a little bit, it, it, there's a little something different from Adam Driver in that. So I think Adam Driver would be good. I was thinking about it, Aziz Ansari as well as someone who I was mm-hmm. like, eh, he's kind of got that, like, he'd almost bring that same, like, that kind of Chevy Chase energy of, of kind of always having a wisecrack to say and, always being uh-huh. able to talk his way out of situations. So that was that that was where I went and I I really didn't have any other ideas other than to go back to the novels. Like the Fletch Lives yeah, wasn't based on any of the novels and there's all these novels. So this could really be a great uh you know a solid franchise and it could work uh you know it it could work like big screen, why not? And it I it, and even though it would work fine as something that like Netflix or, or uh, Prime or, or Hulu produces, I still think the I don't there's something about like these kind of long awaited like reboots and, and revivals just kind of dropping on streaming services that feels like kind of anticlimactic. 
Uh huh. So I, I think I would want to see Fletch in the theater, though Fletch could also work as a, uh, as a series or you could totally. do it. I, I would, well, the type of series I was thinking about was something like Sherlock, where each episode of Sherlock is, and this is the BBC Sherlock, where it, it, it's almost like, like a mini movie, uh huh, each episode. And they don't really have much, have that much connection to each other you can kind of jump around with with Sherlock. Right. So I I think like if you were going to do a Fletch series that's that's how it would work is 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 it kind of being those like you know whatever hour long 70 minute long mini yeah. movies. But yeah, okay. That that's cool. what I would do and not having read the novels had I read the novels, yeah, I would probably kind of want to do read the novels, though. Yeah, I, I'm. I would I'm, just hope that I could do it without thinking of Chevy Chase as being Fletch. You know, yeah. It, it kind of depends on how the book is written, and I know that that Gregory McDonald would like, you know, would thought thought highly, uh, or at least approved of Chevy Chase's performance. Uh-huh. But I have to imagine the character is not written to be Chevy Chase. In right. the books, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely interested to check one out. Sounds like a good beach read for the summer. It does it? Yeah. Does yeah. Get your Fletch on. So, I actually did think of a another sequel, the third in the Fletch trilogy. Uh, I have not read any of the books, so this is not from any particular source material. And I have not done any research to see if maybe this actually was. But uh, I thought that a really good follow-up to Fletch Lives would be Fletch Dies. And uh, the, uh, the, you know, it would make sense that this would take place, um, you know, 32 years later or whatever. So uh, the, the plot that I had in mind is that Fletch is found dead and a uh, an investigative journalist at the paper that Fletch worked at uh, finds out that something is left to them in Fletch's will. And it's a video that Fletch made explaining that something from his past and some people from his past are, uh, he thinks that they're out to get him. And he's concerned that something is going on and he's worried for his life. He's not as young as he was, so he doesn't isn't maybe as able to, you know, wriggle out of situations as easily, you know, uh, climb out of fire escapes, if it were. And uh, this young journalist has to figure out what's going on. But in order to solve a mystery of Fletch's death, you have to think like Fletch to do it. So that's uh, that's my idea. Are you looking up the the titles of the books to see if there was a Fletch dies? Oh, uh, I surely didn't do that. I just kind of googled Fletch dies and and oh, okay. didn't come up with anything. That's surprising because it seems like such a logical next step for the Fletch series. But um, no, I, I you know, and I hadn't really thought too much about casting decisions. I think that somebody like Kate McKinnon would also be good. Uh, you know, as as a younger Fletch type, you know, somebody who could definitely pull that off. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of really great young actors out there who I think would be good. I think that Beanie Feldstein would also be pretty good. Oh, yeah. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, 
somebody who's like really low at, you know, uh, kind of like paper, like Robin in the paper, you know, like the intern. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Where it's just like, why am I being left to figure this out? And, you know, it's like, of course, there's some sort of reason, some sort of link that makes it make sense. She would not be be his daughter. Nope, nope, no, nope, nope, nope. No, we know what you're yeah. thinking. No, I, no. of course, you, you start to think like, oh, what about, you know, the son of Fletch? And it's just like, nope, no, yeah. N- no, yeah, because otherwise, it's like, yeah. what, otherwise just make a remake. <laughs> like, no, and I think like, hey, you could get Chevy Chase in for an afternoon to film one segment that ends up being like, just talking into a camera kind of thing. He wouldn't have to leave the house. He wouldn't. No. Because also if it's taking place present day, he would probably just record it on a phone. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, that's what I got. I like that I thought idea. that'd be fun. I think it's yeah. a nice way to revive the property and like reboot the franchise because then of course, you set yourself up with uh, you know, for sequels with this kind of new new Fletch, maybe maybe part of his, uh, the inheritance right. is the nickname of Fletch. Yeah, I don't know. I, who knows? Who knows? But uh, I don't know. That's what I got. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds good. So, I I like it. But hey, it was nice to revi- nice to well like revisit parts of Fletch. Fletch. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly. I don't think that I'll watch it again. No. Yeah. No. I can't. There's not a lot of movies where I would really say that about. But I, after I watched it, I was like, and I think I'm good on Fletch. I'm yeah. good on Fletch. I'm good I on mean, Fletch. But I would totally see Fletch dies. I would. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And and I would I, I would be so curious to see what they do with Fletch uh, for real, whatever they end up doing. I'm kind of glad that Kevin Smith didn't do something with Fletch. Uh, I... I don't know. I mean, Kevin Smith does his Kevin Smith thing. And once it starts to like cross over with other properties, it starts to get a little funky with the exception <laughs> of live free or die hard where he's just an actor. Oh yeah. Yeah. I frequently forget that he's in that. Yeah. And he's great in that, but I yeah. think that there's, you know, a lot of his stuff, there's the, the vibe of it is just, it needs to just kind of stay on its own. And, uh, I do think that in the, you know, early 2000s, uh, when this was going around, I think that Jason Lee would have been a a totally fine new Fletch. Yeah. Absolutely. I like Jason Lee. I, I, you know, I like certain things that he's done. I mean, yeah, well, I, I, when I say I like Jason Lee, I'm basically thinking about the Kevin Smith movies and right. almost Mall famous. Rats, yeah. Chasing Amy, almost famous. He's great in. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's done. He's done some good work. Yeah. Yeah. I've never uh, seen kissing a fool, so I can't, uh, yeah. <laughs> can't speak so, or stealing uh, Harvard, <laughs> stealing Harvard. I'm going to tee up what we're going to be doing on our next episode by letting everybody know that for the first time since February of 2020 dan and i are actually going to be in the same place together yeah yeah we are going to be going 
no, we are planning this. I uh, we are going out to a uh, to stay at a cabin up uh, up here at Mount Hood, just outside of Portland, and uh, and I'm very excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And um, if all goes according to plan, we will record our episode together there. We will see what the the situation is like, but we'll uh, we'll play it by ear. But Dan, we want to tell everyone what we're going to be doing on that next episode. Well, we will be suitably talking about Cabin Boy, nineteen ninety four, starring Chris Elliott. <laughs> Cabin Boy. Oh, I haven't seen Cabin Boy in so long, and I'm really excited to watch it again. I haven't either. I'm a little excited. I'm a little scared. <laughs> I'm I I'm a little confused. But okay. Uh, I, but we're gonna we're gonna check out Cabin Boy. Now, you know, with Chris Elliott has uh, you know has had a really steady career in his uh, you know six seasons on Schitt's Creek. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it's great to look back at, um, at this point in his career and this, uh, this, the only movie where he played the, uh, starring role yeah. that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, what a fascinating career. I, I read, I don't know if he has more than one book, but I read a book that he wrote, uh, about his life and his career. That was excellent. And, uh, just a big fan of him and his spirit and his family. Uh, mm-hmm. his, his daughters are also both very, very talented. Uh, his father also was a, uh, a huge comedic talent back in the day. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, to visit this one. Uh, so, from a cabin, we will be recording our episode on Cabin Boy. We know it's not about a cabin, but it has the word cabin in it. Yeah, <laughs> so that's that's what we're doing. And if you've got a problem with that, shoot us an email at ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com, or you can check us out on Instagram at ruinedchildhoodspod. Yeah, uh, check out all of our links. Uh on our link tree, linktr.ee slash ruined childhoods. We've got everything right there. Uh, but yeah, we would love to hear from you. And um, please shoot us an email or something and uh, let us know what you think about Fletch, Chevy Chase, or any of the other movies that the other, the other 116 movies we've covered. A lot of Whoa. movies. Well, more than a lot of movies. Some of those have been franchises. So. Like, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Probably closer to 150 or more. A lot of movies. Probably more. A lot yeah. of movies. A lot of movies. So this episode I, I, was a two in one. That's for sure. Yeah, that's right. So there we go. All right. Anyway, before we, we get we start doing the math here, uh, I think it's time to to say a uh, good journey. Yeah. Well, Dan, as you are in a comedic car chase, I wish you a good journey. <laughs> Good journey. Thank you, Betty Lee. Look, Colonel, the folks have come to Sanage you this evening. 
They love you so much. I love them too. Give me that, boy. Thank you, sir. Quiet down. Yes, sir. Uncle Frank? Yes, sir. You know my favorite tune. Sure do, Colonel. Would you mind if I sat in your lap, Colonel? Please do, Betty Lee. Please do. The field hands would like to dance for you. Dance for me? Well, I'll dance for them. <laughs> yes, sir. Zippity-doo-da, zippity-a. My, oh, my, what a wonderful day. Mr. Bluebird's on my shoulder. Ain't it the truth? It's actual. Everything is satisfactual. Zippity-doo-da, zippity-ay. Wonderful feeling. Wonderful day. 